Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Indeed, Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is, uh, thank you kindly. Um, Thank you very much, bless your hearts. My name is Bill Bolain, and, and honestly, I'm just, I'm 100% delighted and honored and humbled to be here this morning with you. And I'm greeting you here in the, uh, the Lakeville house and in our campuses, and those of you who are home watching in your jammies, bless your hearts. I'm glad we have this time together. And can I begin by giving you a word of encouragement? You know, we, we're saying Merry Christmas. I hope you're saying that outside of this place. Happy holidays? Forget it. Forget that, Okay. Let's be saying Merry, yeah, I mean, really, you're, you're not going to offend anybody, you're going to bless them. I was checking, this is the truth, I was checking out a Target a couple weeks ago, and the this, this nicest lady was taking care of me, checking my stuff out, and we were chatting, and when we were done, I said, um, oh, thank you so much, bless your heart, and Merry Christmas, and she said, oh, thank you, Merry Christmas, pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been called pumpkin in 65 years. But now you know how to greet me. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Uh, can I uh, be among the voices, those who stand up here week by week, and, and uh, just pause for a second and say thank you for supporting this church, being a part of this church. Thank you for your giving. I can tell you, because I know this, that for 41 years the giving here in this congregation has been quite extraordinary and we continue to build on that foundation. And so I thank you for your generosity. And I also say this from time to time, you don't have to give. Why do you say? You don't have to give. You don't have to eat vegetables. You don't have to sleep seven hours a night. You don't have to exercise, none of that, but it's good for you. (laughs) Giving is good for you because when you give, it brings you more into the likeness of the God who created you. You're created in the image of God and his nature. And if you don't give, you become spiritually constipated. And we've talked about that from time to time. And Nancy and I have felt that when we give to this church, we're giving to something that is making a difference in people's lives and marriages and families and schools and the like. And you can't do better than that. Listen, there's a lot of ways to give to this church. And I don't know what they are because I lost track. But you can... You can go to the website, I know that. You can use the Hosanna app, whatever that is, and uh, you, can, you can give cash to one of the ushers, or you, you know what, I, I, you can just text some of your friends and say, send some money to the church, because I do that from time to time, okay? Thanks for your generosity. I want to read you something from Scripture. Um, we, we could identify the Old Testament prophet Isaiah as our Advent prophet. Because there's a lot of things in his book that talk about what's happening at Christmas time in this Advent season and who's coming and this virgin's going to you know, conceive and bear a son and so forth. But this, this is in chapter 55 and it's going to be familiar to us. Isaiah's talking about the power and strength of God's word. And he's speaking on behalf of God. Here's what he says. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Hear that? but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. I say amen. Hear what Isaiah is saying. 
on behalf of God. When I, God is kind of boasting. But he's saying, when I say something's going to happen, you can count on it, it's going to happen. And between the lines, I hear God saying, if you know my word and you trust my word, your life will be full of joy and peace, and you can go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And I've been praying, praying that that would be a part of what happens uh, here as we uh, gather this morning. I want to say something to you. I love you people. I, you know, I've always had feelings for you and affection for you, but now that I'm a retired pastor and, and a grandpa, I feel like saying the words, I love you people. Even the people over in this section, don't look. You, <laughs> You saw the seating chart. You know who's over there. I just think we should say the words, what if I did, but I didn't? What if I did love you, but I didn't say that? And just take that thought out of here today. What if you do, but you don't? Say the words to the people that you love, okay? I do love you very much. I love, and I mean this sincerely too, um, not just because I'm here today, but I have always loved this Sunday in particular. Fourth Sunday in Advent. Advent, it's, it's a Latin word, Adventus. It means coming, you know, someone's coming. We know who's coming. And what do we do when someone's coming? We prepare and we get ready in our hearts and our homes and so forth. And this is the fourth Sunday in Advent. And what it means is, you know, Christmas Eve is right there. Can you kind of feel it? We're almost there. Some, not entirely, but some of the hustle and the hubbub and the shopping and the commotion that's behind us now. And it's like this Sunday morning, we can kind of... Take a deep breath because we're almost to the manger. And yes, you, you have asked me, this is kind of an aside, but I am upset with Fleet Farm. They changed the whole store around, <laughs> and I used to know exactly where things were, but I finally, I finally found what I was looking for, and Nancy's going to love it, okay? And every woman should have one in her trunk. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, the frustration is over. That's behind us, and we're almost to the manger. Here's another part of this Sunday, this day. Tuesday's coming. Doesn't it always come? This Tuesday is, as you know, is the shortest day of the year. It's the darkest day of the year, if you will. I think we get about, a, you know, an hour and a half of daylight, and the rest of the time we're going like this. And, and so what do we Christians do? Into this time of darkness, we light our candles and we put our Christmas lights up, and we have what's called, you know, the, the festival of lights. Of course we do. And my friends, that's a picture, that's a metaphor, if you will, of the fact that into this season of spiritual darkness, we celebrate the coming of what? The light of the world, Jesus Christ. And what do we know? The darkness will not prevail against the light of Jesus Christ. Will you say amen? amen. So, I love you, I love this Sunday, and then we got this sermon series going called With Us. It's been our Advent ser sermon series, With Us. And again, the... Um, the Advent prophet Isaiah said, you know, this baby that's going to be born, one of his names is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, and do you know, I think most of you know, that this is God's number one desire and it's God's number one promise cover to cover in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, it talks about God desiring to walk in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve. It's in there. He just wanted to be with them, to hang out with them. And then we go to Revelation, Revelation 21. And John says, I looked and I saw a new Jerusalem and God was with his people and he will dwell with his people and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is God's desire. 
to be with us. It has been from day one, and it will be through all eternity. So, so we've been in uh, John chapter 1 during this sermon series and reading about the Word becoming flesh and what? Dwelling among us, being with us, okay? Been some marvelous messages. I just want to lift up a couple verses again from John 1. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, hear this now, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Ooh, I love those words. Um, Nancy and I had the chance to spend some time in Florida last month. And whenever you stand on the Gulf of Mexico, or, or any ocean for that matter, you folks have been there, what do you see or experience? One wave after another wave rhythmically rolling into shore, one wave after another. And I often think of this passage, hear it? Grace upon grace upon grace. This is what God has in store for us. This is a part of the Christmas message, grace upon grace, okay? How shall we receive this? How can we believe it? How can we take it with us, not just into the season, into Christmas, but into this new year that's coming, okay? I'd like you to consider uh, three thoughts with me. First of all, I want to assure you that you are in God's plan. You are in God's plan. And, and I would say, maybe this sounds funny, but God is really, he's really a good planner. He knows what he's doing. I think sometimes we, we have felt a little bit like there was plan A and now it's plan B and who, who knows what else. You know, plan, what was plan A? Garden of Eden. They got booted out of there and then came Noah and the flood and here's Abraham, the Israelites, Moses, the kings, the prophets, and so forth. And that was a bust. That didn't work. God's plan A, so he's trying plan B. And that has to do with Jesus and the disciples and the church and the Lutherans and the Catholics and eating fish sticks on Friday and all that. And how's that going? That's maybe not going so well either. So he's going to come up with a different plan. No, he's not, Ralph. Listen to me. From the beginning of time, before time, it's been a seamless plan, one plan only. Here's the beginning of time, and it unfolds before time. Before time. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit had this plan, see? And they planned for creation, and they planned for humanity, and they planned for redemption, and they planned for salvation, and they planned for the kingdom of God to be established on earth for now and throughout eternity. And that plan is unfolding. It's an in-the-moment story, and you and I are in that story right now. We are. Uh, John Piper is a local pastor, and, and I know that he says something like this from time to time. Do you realize, my friend, that God is probably doing 10,000 things in your life right now, and you're only aware of three to four of them? Let that thought lean on your mind, okay? Well, I mean, isn't that just kind of preacher talk or hyperbole or exaggeration? Listen to me. Psalm 139, God's Word, tells us that he knit you together in your mother's womb, Okay? He had the idea of you before your parents even got busy. He knit you together in your mother's womb, okay? And very shortly after he began that work, 
this little heartbeat was detected, and that heart, which started beating before you were born, has been beating ever since. And this day, my friend, this day, that heart within you will beat 100,000 times. Count them. And it'll beat 100,000 times tomorrow, and then the next day, and the next day. You're in God's plan, and you're in God's hand. And by the way, it also says in Psalm 139, all the days, hear this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Holy mackerel. God loves you and knows you, and he's planned for you to be a part of this story all along, and he's written every day of your life in his book already, even before you lived one day. Hallelujah, folks. You're in the plan. Some of you have felt this from time to time. Pastor Ryan called me a couple months ago, uh, maybe three, and, and he said, Bill, just, and we were chatting, he said, would you remind me, if you can, when did we start saying, we believe the Lord led you here? And I don't, I, I don't know. I, you know, I kind of thought about it. I can picture standing in different rooms, different worship centers, and just being prompted to say that we believe that the Lord led you here. And over the years, you've heard me say this, over the years, dozens if not hundreds of people have come up to me and to others on staff and they said, Bill, when you said that, we believe the Lord led you here. The first time I heard you say that, the hair on my arms stood up. Or I burst into tears because I realized it was true. And the Holy Spirit brought that truth to you that we, that we have a God who leads and guides and counsels and prompts and arranges things according to his plans. He, re he really does. Not to control us. He doesn't want puppets, or he doesn't want prisoners. He wants people who are created in his image to know him and to trust him and to love him and to live and thrive in his kingdom. That's what he wants. That's what God is all about. So you're in God's plan. Um, you're not left out. You're not a bystander. You're not an accident. Believe that and trust that and, and, and start to feel this grace rolling in, grace upon grace. You're in God's plan. The second thing I would say is you can experience God's presence. Boy, I see other people do it. You can too. I would like to look each one of you in the eye. You can experience God's presence. Um, Look at the you know the Christmas story. Look at the people in the story who were drawn to the manger and experienced the Lord's presence. Mary, first of all, and it was because of her humble heart. You know, she was probably fifteen or sixteen, and this angel came and said, "You're going to have a baby." I don't mean to be irreverent, but a teenager might have said, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." It's not what she said. She got a little clarification, and she said, "I'm a." handmaiden, a servant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word, this humble heart. Joseph, you know, Gabriel was busy. He had a message for Joseph, too. The woman you're going to marry, she's going to have a baby. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm out of here. No, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her for your wife. This baby is holy. Obedience. Shepherds, they had a whole choir sing to them. There's a baby born. His name is Jesus. He's in Bethlehem. Better go see these responsive hearts, okay? The wise men, at expense and sacrifice, over time, they 
found the baby and they fell down and worshiped him because they were seeking him. Here's some hints for us, okay? Who experiences his presence? The people with humble hearts, responsive hearts who seek him, who are ready to go and, and look for him. Now, what did they go to see? Well, they went to see the baby. Yep. They went to see the word of God incarnate. That's who we know Jesus to be. They went to see the word of God in the flesh, in this baby, of course. Now, we mentioned um, just a few minutes ago that we're almost to the manger. We're going to come past the manger again in just a few nights. And we're not going to see the baby because he's not there. But my dear friends, we have the word of God right here in our hands, okay? And when we open our hearts and humbly with responsive hearts, faithfully, obediently, come seeking him, the word of God. We will experience him. We will. I'm delighted that this whole church is going to be studying all of Scripture next year. It's not like this is the first time we thought of this in 41 years. We're in the Bible all the time, but we're encouraging you to bring your Bibles, and we're going to take a, a deeper dive starting in this new year and through the, through the next year coming with open Bibles and, and open hearts to consider God's Word. Um, I had this thought, and I don't, I don't think I've shared it before because it, it was new to me. Um, coming into God's Word is a little bit like standing in front of a, a magnificent, glorious painting or portrait. Hear it? Sometimes you stand there alone and you just you marvel at the color and the creativity and the beauty and it, it takes your breath away. And sometimes a docent comes along, a teacher, stand beside you and say, describe for you the artist who's behind this painting and why they did it and what some of the meaning is. And maybe another time you come in front of this painting with your friends. You say, you got to see this. And they look at it and they say, oh, look at this. And, and another one says, have you ever considered this? And it becomes richer all the more because you're sharing it with friends. Folks, would you let these thoughts lean against your mind as we step into this new year, in the new year? Will there be times for you when you come to God's word by yourself? Just take a deep breath and take it in. Will you right now think about bringing your Bibles to church all next year so that the docent, the teachers, the preachers can draw you deeper into God's Word? And um, are you in a small group? I, I love my man's group. We've got our Bibles open, and it knits our hearts together. And we see and feel things in that small group. It's fantastic. Will that happen for you in the new year? I, I, you know, some of you, a lot of you will make New Year's uh, resolutions, and you should, you know, lose those five pounds. Now we're talking about the people up in the balcony. That's why, that's why we seat them up there so they get a little exercise, okay? <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Let's share another thought together in this church, okay? Why don't we seek and pray in New Year's revelations, okay? That as we come before the Word of God, He will continue to reveal His heart and His plan and His purposes and His love to us. New Year's revelations, okay? Let that be a part of your new year and your planning. The psalmist says, Psalm, uh, in Psalm 16, says, In your presence is fullness of joy. 
When we set aside this time, come in before God's holy word and his Holy Spirit moves upon us, we're in his presence and that's where we encounter joy. We sing joy to the world. We want it at Christmas time. I want it for you when January comes in February in the new year, okay? Now we know where this joy comes from in God's presence. And then finally, the the third thought I want to share with you is that your life has purpose. I read this. Stay with me. I read this a couple weeks ago. Every healthy, lasting marriage begins with two funerals. What did he just say? Every lasting, healthy marriage begins with two funerals. These two people come together, and the the self-interest, it's all about me, that has to die out so that the two people can come together and become one. And all the concern about me becomes the concern about we, the us, the the togetherness in marriage. And that's what makes for a good and a lasting marriage. Well, that's a nice thought, but what I'm saying, folks, is that just isn't about marriage. What I'm describing is any healthy personal relationship, and I'm describing for you life in the kingdom of God. I said your life has a purpose. If, you know, if, if we went to Scripture and got the short version, I would tell you that the purpose of your life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why you were created. That's why God had you in mind. That's why you're here. But do you hear me also saying that to do that, love God and love neighbor, to do that, to even come close to that, all this business of self interest and and self-help and self-absorption, it has to die away. And this is where the spiritual warfare is, folks, because the message in the world is distinctly different. It keeps pointing back to you. (laughs) Why do you go to McDonald's? Because you deserve a break today. Why Why do you wear Reeboks? Because you are worth it. What about Nike? They say, it, essentially, the unspoken word is, don't worry about anybody else. Forget about them. What? Just do it. Just do it, okay? Now, here's the deal, Martha. What happens to this little me that you were so worried about when you start loving God, serving him by loving your neighbor and serving yourself? <laughs> You know what happens to that little me? It becomes more and more in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you live that out, it is there that you will experience peace and joy and wonder. And you'll be fully living out the purpose of your life. I want to tell you it's happening every day all around us. These two stories come out of my men's group just from Wednesday. It's another reason to be in a group. One of our guys, Mark, is serving as an educational assistant. I'm not sure what that means exactly. He's just in classrooms helping out in one of our local school districts. And he said they assigned him to a a kindergarten class. I mean, he said, they're all about this tall, little ones. He said the other day, uh, recess came. And can you picture recess? I mean, especially us guys, but girls, boom, recess, okay? But there was a student in this class, a special needs student, who couldn't find his mitten. One mitten was missing. And so some of the class blasted out of there, but there were four or five kids who realized there was this need, and they stayed behind and they started looking. (laughs) 
he said, you know, just watch these kids. Little sacrifice of recess, not a big deal, but they were looking, looking, and they found it, and they put it on, you know, their friend. And do you suppose that they were happy when they went out the door together to research? I think they were, just looking after somebody else. Another guy in our group is Pastor Paul Marzani. He's Methodist. None of us knows how he got in the group. We're not sure, okay? <laughs> Good guy. We're working on him. We're working on him. But uh, what he said to us as we were checking in, he said, I just had one of the best days of my life. Oh, he's beaming. He's happy. Okay, tell us about it. And he described last Monday an event down at the, the Minneapolis Convention Center called 3,000 Acts of Kindness. And he was a part of the planning team, and he was down there. And upwards, I, I don't know if they had an exact count, but upwards of 3,000 homeless people or hurting people or unemployed people were encouraged. The word went out, and they were encouraged to come to the uh, Minneapolis Convention Center. And there, uh, 3,000 brand-new warm winter coats were given out, 1,000 brand-new sleeping bags, 3,000 Sandwiches were served by Chick-fil-A. There was deodorant and clean socks and underwear and bottles of water, and there was prayer said and, uh, and gift bags and a, and a whole lot more. It was really extraordinary. But Paul's there, Pastor Paul, and he's greeting people, and a gentleman walks in the door, and he doesn't have any shoes on, and he's walking gingerly. And Paul looks at him, and he says, you can have my shoes. And he takes his shoes off and puts them on the guy. And, and you know what the guy did? He, he started dancing. He was dancing with Paul's shoes on. Look at me, folks. How in the world can a guy like Paul say, I just had one of the best days of my life when he's given his shoes away? Do you know now? Because he's loving the Lord, his God, and he's loving neighbor. And life in the kingdom is a rocking good life filled with joy. He had one of the best days of his life. I have one more thought while I'm here. Um, when I asked Nancy to marry me, we had been dating for five years. I, I kind of wore her down and outlasted all the other guys, you know. <laughs> and um, I was going to ask her to marry me. So I got up in the middle of the night. No, we weren't living together because her dad owned guns. So I got up and... <laughs> In the middle of the night, I put a shirt and a, a suit on, a shirt and a tie, and I had champagne, and I had flowers, and I had a poem, and I had a diamond ring, and I drove her to the West St. Paul, where she was living with three other nurses, and I woke her up, and she sat on the couch, and I poured my heart out to her, and I said, I love you, I want to spend the rest of my life to you. I read a sappy poem, and I took out a ring, and I said, will you marry me? And you know what her response was? I'll get back to you. No, it wasn't. She said yes, and we, and we drank champagne, and we hugged and kissed, and she's, you know, she's wearing the same diamond 51 years later. But look at me. You laughed because you can't imagine a response like that. But hear me, and I'm saying this to some people that I love very much, and that's all of you but to some people that might need to hear it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and Jesus has come. The reason he came was because he had you in his mind and you in his heart, 
And he would say to you, I love you. And I will lay down my life for you. And I want to be your Lord and your Savior and your friend. And I want to be with you. And honestly, and you know this, for some of you, your response has been to him, I'll get back to you. And I'm saying to you, with love in my heart, this is the time and this is the season for you to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ and invite him in. Let him be your Lord and your friend. Love him. And then love other people just the way he's loved you at first. And my friend, I promise you, this is when you will receive grace upon grace upon grace. It's time to say yes. I was watching 60 Minutes last Sunday. What is 60 Minutes? It's a geezer show. That they, you have to be 60 to watch it. So I'll, I'll ex explain it to you, okay? They, they had a segment on uh, this web telescope. They're going to send it up pretty soon, okay? And they've been working on it forever. Um, it's going to be six times bigger than the Hubble telescope, which has been up there, I think, for 25 years. It's going to be 100 times more powerful. Uh, they've been working on it for 25 years, and of course it costs $10 billion, and they hope it works. A thousand things have to go right for this thing to unfold. And we're going to see things that we've never seen before. It will take us back to the beginning of time. It'll take us back to, Scott Pelley said, to let there be light. And it will answer questions for us, like where have we come from, and are we alone? And then Scott Pelley said, to be honest, what we will see, we will not really understand. And that's the very definition of wonder. <laughs> this is God's word. And it helps us to see and to understand the plans and the purposes of Almighty God. And this book tells us that it was God who was back there in the beginning of time. And he's the one who said, let there be light. And when he says something, it happens. And this book tells us where we came from and that we're not alone. And it also tells us that love came down at Christmas time and that the baby's name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was true then, it's true now, and it will be true all throughout eternity, God with us. And that, I believe, my friends, is the true definition of wonder. Thanks be to God. Would you bow your heads? I'm always glad for this question right now, and I would, I would simply ask each one of you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying? The worship was magnificent, and we've prayed, and we've considered God's word, much going on in the room. What will you take with you this morning? What's the Spirit saying to you? What, what's the conviction in your heart? Seal it there. Make sure you take it into the Christmas season and into the new year, please. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is holy, 
and powerful, and it changes, transforms lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, which moves in the room right now, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would have the kind of hearts that receive all that you have for us. Lord, help us to love you more. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help us to love others even better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.